Good morning. Good morning, my Orangewood family. Thank you. Did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? I hope so. Uh, we had just the joy of uh, a lot of family and friends, uh, two turkeys, a ham. Uh, the night before, I went out and bought at Lowe's one of those cheap uh, fire pits. You know, it's kind of embarrassing in Florida. You know, it's not like we have any place to really burn things like that. You buy a pit, then you buy the wood. It's fake wood. But man, it was great having a couple of cool nights. Uh, and I hope you all were able to do what I was able to do. I just enjoy God's blessings. There's many. And I know my life's a lot like yours. There's also some struggles. It's holidays. It's times like uh, these. Uh, we're heading into Advent. We just had Thanksgiving. And there's so much to be thankful for. But there's so much to long for. There's so much that still just isn't quite right in all of our lives. But there's such good news. And the good news again today is that we have a God who radically loves us. Who radically provides for us. And there's a day coming. Are you ready for this? There's a day coming with no more tears, no more sadness, no more brokenness, no more holidays with empty seats. Isn't that good news? It's very good news. We're going to look at that reality because God always finishes what He begins. And He has begun an incredible good work in us. He loves us. And He will love us to the end. It's my hope, it's my prayer, it's my passion that each and every one of you today will experience that life-changing love. That we would be able to say, Presbyterians, as frozen as we are, are be able to say, we're free to dance. We're free to live. We're free to love. Because our God loves us. And here's the incredible news. He is not going to change His mind about us. And that really is good news. If you want to turn me to your Bibles, we're going to look at a couple of places. One verse in the book of Philippians, kind of toward the back, one of Paul's letters uh, to the church there at Philippi. We're also going to look at another of Paul's letters in Romans, Romans 8. So if you want to throw a bulletin insert in Romans 8 uh, and Philippians 1, those are the two spots we'll be in. I remember the joy of being about 12 years old and wearing one of my father's rings. And just loved having that identity on my finger. And I took yarn and I wrapped a lot of yarn around that string uh, to make sure that I could slip it on my, at that time, skinny finger. And just had that joy of having that identity, that mark, and ran off to play with Michael, who lived around the corner on Barley Mow Run. And just was so excited to be out and playing with him, enjoying life. You know it's coming, don't you? I thought I had put enough yarn on. I really thought there was enough. I, I really thought that it was snug enough. And I remember that pitiful feeling, that pitiful, painful feeling of loss. When you look down and you realize it's no longer there. It's gone. I've lost it. And although we searched through the yard and all the places that we went and roamed and played, I couldn't find it. It was gone. What have you lost? 
What have you lost that even as I tell you this story, I bet you there's something in your life, your childhood, maybe even now that you just can't find, that you've misplaced, that has been broken, that gives you that similar feeling, that pitiful feeling of, oh, I just wish I had it. I could only get it back. And it seems to be worse if it's something that someone else gave you. It seems to make you feel even bad, more badly when it's something of value that someone else tried to entrust to you. Well, this month of November... We have been journeying together, uh, looking at God's Word under the umbrella of a series called The Doctrines of Grace. And one of the things we've realized is that salvation from start to finish is of the Lord. It's, it's God's idea that He would rescue sinners like us. It is God's plan from alpha to omega, from beginning to end. Every jot and tittle of God's plan in sending His Son to come and to bleed and, and uh, uh, to be a sacrifice for sinners like us. Uh, sending the Father and Son, sending the Spirit to come and to draw us into a relationship with the Father through that provided work of the Son. Salvation begins and ends with the Lord. Salvation, as the book of Revelation tells us, is of the Lord. And what we need to do this month and every month is give God incredible glory, incredible praise. Because it's not our idea, it's His. It's not our gift, it's His gift to us. And the question that we want to wrestle with today, is it a gift that we can lose? Is it like that ring of the Father that may be something that we do or, or something in our lives, some deformity of sin or or some decision that it's going to slip away from us. And this incredible gift that's beyond description that you cannot put a cost to. Can we lose it? Is there enough yarn on this gift to make sure that it sticks to us? You know, the reality is this. If someone gives you a gift, and let's say it's going to be this Christmas, they say, now, Nelson, don't lose this gift. Or don't break this gift, especially if it's someone you love and respect, uh, maybe a child who's receiving a gift from a parent saying, now, I want you to know, son, how much this spent, I spent on this gift. I want you to know you better not lose this. This means a lot to me. Do you think you could ever really enjoy the gift? If someone gives you a gift that way and reminds you of the incredible price that it cost, and reminds you of the value and the importance that you need to make sure that you take good care of it, you know what? I don't think we really enjoy that gift. Oh yeah, we'll have some enjoyment, but I think we have continual fear. Fear that somehow it's going to slip away. Fear that somehow we're going to blow it. Fear that somehow we're going to break it. Fear that somehow there wasn't enough yarn and it slipped off our finger and we just can't find it. God does not want you to live with that fear. He does not want you to live with that fear for His greatest gift of His Son. He wants you to be able to live and love it to the point where you can dance. And you can dance in a way where you actually have some moves. And you have to say, I am not going to lose it. Those are moves, aren't they, Kristen? I pray for my kids. Just think every week I embarrass them. Every single week. God's good news to us is this. The gift he has given us in his son. You ready for this? He's not going to take it back. He's not going to take it back. He's not going to stop loving us. And it will never slip off our fingers. Let's turn to two passages. Philippians 1, 6, and then we'll turn to Romans 8. Let's be mindful that both Philippians 1 and Romans 8 are both God's word. They're both holy and without error. They'll never lead us astray. 
And they should give us today great, great comfort. Philippians 1.6, Paul writes this. Being confident of this, and I tell you, confidence does so much for us. But being confident of this, that He, God, He who began a good work in you, will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The great news is that God has begun the good work. He will complete it. And let's turn now to Romans chapter 28. Picking up in probably one of the most familiar verses in Scripture, verse 28. But what surrounds 28 is so incredibly beautiful as well. Verse 28. And I'm going to read through the end of the chapter. And we know that in all things, all things, all things, not some things, but we know that in all things, God works for the good. God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And listen to this incredible golden chain of God's work of salvation. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified or declared not guilty in a holy God's sight through the work of His Son, He also glorified. Notice the tense. Not will glorify. He glorified. It's finished work. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, Jesus, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? This is basically saying, if we're in God's presence, what will it be that will separate us from God's presence? Who will bring a charge that we do not belong It is God who justifies or who declares not guilty, who makes clean. Who then can condemn? No one. Not even yourself. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, all these trials, all this persecution, all of the junk of life, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. The Greek there were super conquerors. Through Him who loved us, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you read along with me, your heart now should be singing, child of the living God, because nothing separates us from God's love. Let us pray. Father, this is a reality that we need to live with.
The reality of a holy, creating God who's also a redeeming, saving God who always finishes what He begins. Father, it is very clear that it's Your love that needs to change us from the inside out. It's Your voice that we need to hear. It's Your Word that we need to to memorize and chew upon and, and, and hide in our hearts. So Father, we ask that You would do that which only You could do. That You would come and You would speak through a broken vessel, a jar of clay. That Father, in a, in a supernatural way that only You can do, that You would take my words and You would make them Your words and that we would hear the voice of Your Son. So open up our ears to hear from the Good Shepherd, the Bread of Life. God, I pray that Your Spirit would illumine our minds and so that we would understand this great truth because it will cause our feet to be free and our hearts to sing. And Father, we ask that You would deal with all of our unbelief, all of our wrong thinking, all of our sinfulness in our hearts of stone and remove that and give us a heart of flesh. God, we do pray that we would be able to walk out of here free free, each and every one. Maybe someone here came in this morning, they don't even know how shackled they are to their past, to their sin, to their brokenness. Each and every one of us, may we walk out of here free to dance because of a love that has set us free. God, the things that I say that are merely my opinion or they're wrong, may they be forgotten and fall away. The things that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, Would you use those things to make us more like Christ? And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Confidence. Paul says this, that he wants us to have confidence. Confidence that God who began the good work in us, it's God who initiates with us, the God who began that good work, he will be able, he will be faithful, he will accomplish what he has set out to do. So the first thing we have this morning, and by the way, if you want to follow along, there's an insert uh, in the bulletin on the front tab. You do not have the fill in the blank uh, this week, so you'll have to do a little more writing. That's all right. The confidence of God's initiating grace in us. It is God who begins the good work in us. God is always the one who initiates with sinners. We've seen this. We started off in the very first week of this series that man is unable to respond to God in his own sinful nature. We cannot initiate with him. He must initiate with us. Here's the reality. If God were to wait for sinners like you and me to get it, to reach out to him, to ask for his love, to ask for his forgiveness, there would be a forever eternal separation between God and sinners because sinful men and women like you and me by nature are unable and unwilling to respond to a holy God. That's why Paul says to us in Philippians 2.1 that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And dead men do not initiate anything. But there's such incredible good news is our God is a peacemaker. Our God is a warrior. Our God is a lover of sinners like us. And left up to us, heaven would be completely empty. But that's not God's design because God initiates good work with us. And that good work that He initiates with us is our justification. That His Son would come and He would become our sacrifice. He died the death that we deserve as sinners. That He'd robe us in His Son's righteousness. That that blood that was shed for the sheep 
And just the sheep was effective that you and me can be declared in a holy God's eyes not guilty. What incredible good news that our God is that peacemaker. But we also must realize that He loved us when we were at our worst. Romans 5.8 says this, that God demonstrates His own love for us. That while we were still sinners. Let that, let that get into your ears for a minute. God demonstrates love for us that while... We were still sinners, separated from God, enemies of God, children of wrath. God would send His own Son, Christ Jesus, to die for sinners like us. He loved us while we were at our worst. Why this is important? Well, if you know that there's no bait and switch with God. You know, uh, maybe uh, that, that first girlfriend or boyfriend you had, you thought that they were so wonderful and so loving you know, and you go on that first date, and by the way, how do they show up to that first date? They show up with uh, uh, their nice attire on. They show up with their teeth that have been brushed, uh, making sure no halitosis. Uh, they show up uh, at presenting everything they can with their best foot forward. I mean, that's what we do. We go into these situations in relationships and say, like me, like me, like me. I'm going to hide all of the scars. I'm going to hide all the brokenness. I'm going to put perfume on all that that smells. Can you imagine going on a date and then uh, ringing the doorbell and thinking, you know what, I want to see what this uh, woman looks like first thing in the morning. And so you ring the doorbell and just say, uh, you know, come on out. I want, I want, the, I want the, you know, the hair not made up. I don't want any makeup. Um, you know, don't brush your teeth, no scope. Um, and by the way, bring a picture of your mom, how she looks like in about 30 years. Good luck with that one. God loves us at our worst. Let that settle in. Wow, we're still sinners. Before we're cleaned up. Before we're clothed in Christ's righteousness. When all we have is filth of sin. God loves sinners. And He initiates with us. Isn't that good news The confidence of God's initiating grace with us who are sinners. We are saved by grace. It is is all by grace. We are kept by grace. We're going to continue by grace. But I want to ask you this question, Orangewood. If this is the reality of God's relationship with us, that he initiates with us who are sinners, how do our relationships work? Who do you initiate relationships with? I mean, most of us initiate relationships that are going to be mutually beneficial or just beneficial to us. You know, someone that's interesting, uh, someone that might be able to help us in an area of our life, uh, someone who can add value. How many of us seek relationships and initiate relationships with those who have seemingly nothing to give back? That's what God has done with us. And isn't that what we should do as the church? I mean, if we're saved by grace, if we have an initiating God, shouldn't we be initiating with others? I just heard yesterday at breakfast, uh, one of our members tell us a story, tell me a story about Obadiah, a man who comes by and helps with the house and, and, and gets paid for some of the uh, chores and some of the light construction. And he was sleeping when he went to bed one night thinking about Obadiah. And he says, this is a big, strong man. Well, what am I gonna, what's this man going to do when he's 60 years old, when he's no longer physically able to have a strong enough back to go earn a dollar? So he got with Obadiah. He says, Obadiah, I want to shoot straight with you. I want to be your friend. I want a relationship with you. 
Obadiah, do you know how to read and write? No. I don't. And so, through an initiation relationship with him, he's saying, I'm going to uh, get you to a place and pay for that class to teach you how to read, to teach you how to write, to bring value to your life so that you don't have to wake up at 60 years old and have no means of making a dollar. It's, it's, It's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of what we get from God. He comes to us and says, what can you do? And we say, we could do nothing but sin. And he says, but I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to take care of that on my son's cross. And I'm going to fill you with the Spirit. And now I'm going to empower you. I'm going to, because I initiated with you. My brothers and sisters in Christ, may Orangewood be an initiating church. May we not just be a church that waits to say, God, send us some people. But wherever we go and whatever we do, may we, by the love of Christ, initiate with others. You see, being Christ-like is always taking the first step. I guarantee you that some of you, just at Thanksgiving time, know the pain of a lost member of family. Some of you have been done wrong by your family. Some of your family um, has done some really bad things. And some of you are going to wait until they see the light to reach out to them. That's not very Christ-like. If God did that with us, We'd be lost, my brothers and sisters. If you are a child of the living God and filled with the Holy Spirit, if we want to be Christ-like, we're going to be initiators. We're going to be initiators with those who are broken. Some of you are going to have to go home today and pick up the phone and say, I'm sorry. And they may have done you a whole lot more wrong than you've done them, but Christ-like initiation, do we get it? Listen, look at our own salvation. God initiates with us. He just demonstrates love for us. Being confident of this. That he who began the good work in us, God has started good work. Let's also look at the second confidence. Be confidence of God's continued work in us. I remember hearing a recent story about a young boy uh, who lost his, his mom. And, uh, you know, just uh, at an early age in his life, and, and that security of a mom has been gone, and Uh, no longer felt comfortable enough sleeping in his own bed. Uh, He would go and say, Dad, can I sleep with you? And the father said, of course, son. And, you know, come on in. But uh, sleeping with the dad was really more the fact that he couldn't really go to sleep until he just kept touching his dad. And every once in a while, he'd wake up and he'd kind of take the dad's head and just turn it toward him to make sure, is the father still with me? You know, such great news in this Christianity is this, is that uh, our Father will never leave us nor forsake us. And it's not the fact that we got to reach and make sure we have a hand touching Him the entire time and every once in a while turn His face to us. The reality about our God is He's got a hand and a grip on us. And He keeps on turning our face to Him. He keeps on saying, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am yours and you are mine. Isn't that good news? The confidence and joy of knowing that God continues His good work in us. That's called sanctification. He's going to make us, the days that He gives us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, more and more free to dance. More and more free to love. More and more like His Son. He continues the good and work in us. Until, I love that word, until. Until completion. It is Jesus who will never let us go. John 10, we looked at this last week. John 10, verse 28. 
I give them eternal life, Jesus says. Eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of My hand. Here's some incredible news. God continues good work. And no one will be lost. He will let nothing be snatched out of His hands. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Interesting paradox between what our response needs to be and what God's response Paul writes and says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more in my absence. Now listen to this. That we as believers in Christ by God's grace need to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Am I living a holy life? Am I really His? But we got to realize, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. God is working in us. And He will never stop working. We are saved by grace. And here's the reality. We are kept by grace. Somehow we think, okay, as Christians, yeah, okay, I get in because of God's grace through faith. Okay. And I think that we've realized this study that He's the one who even gives us the gift of faith, a new heart, and the ability to hear. Most Christians... We'll say, I get that. Okay, saved by grace, not by works, so no one can boast. But then we think we have to earn it. Then we think that we continue by works. That grace goes away and it's all up to us. And that is not the truth. Have you ever experienced someone giving up on you? Maybe it was a teacher that just thought you were too dumb to get it. Maybe as a coach who didn't like your attitude. Hopefully not, but for some of you, it might have been a parent. A parent who just says, oh, forget it. Have you had that pain of, of having someone close to you give up on you? Some of you, some of you have come close or are wrestling with giving up on yourself. Have you been there? If you ever just want to say, I just quit. I can't do it. I just can't be the man I, I want to be. I, I can't be the wife. I can't be the student. You want to quit? I remember an epiphany in my life. I remember one of those turning point moments. It was back when we had a youth house over here. And I was doing my devotions one morning. And I was by myself. And I just had kind of that uh, movie projector of my life going on that Satan was using. And he's just showing me of all the things I'm still struggling with and just showing me of what, how incomplete I am and how undone I am. And he was just reminding me, you know, Jeff, you, you, were, you, you prayed to receive Christ at four years old. You grew up in a Christian home. You've been to seminary. You're a youth pastor. Shouldn't you be better than this? Shouldn't you be farther along than this? How disappointed God must be in you that you still struggle with the same things. How disappointed the Father. He must want to give back, take back that gift of His Son. Because you don't seem to be doing much with it. And by God's grace, I turned to Hebrews 10, verse 14, and I heard these words. And it's, these words are for all of you. All of you who just feel like you're not getting much better. All of you who have people who have given up on you. All of you who are wrestling of giving up on yourself. Listen to this incredible passage out of Hebrews 10, 14. For by one sacrifice, the sacrifice of God's own Son, Jesus, for by one sacrifice, God has made 
perfect forever those who are being made holy. I mean, think of that. I mean, it doesn't almost make sense. God, because of one sacrifice on a cross, has forever declared that His children are perfect. But they're being made holy. And I just got it. I got it that moment that God can look at a sinner like me still in process and still bumbling and stumbling and still messing it up. And I'm radically loved because in Christ, I have been perfected. The blood of the Lamb has washed me whiter than snow. I am robed in Christ's righteousness and the Father delights in me. And I'm being made holy because He won't stop working in me and that's your picture that's a picture of you and that's a picture of me who we are in Christ that should set us free that should give us great joy that should give us cause to celebrate because we are kept by grace if we can lose our salvation listen if we can lose our salvation and many of you grew up in a church where they taught this that okay uh, you, you become a Christian but you do something bad you might play cards Heaven forbid you might have a glass of wine. And I, I had a guy, this, I had to do a memorial service on Wednesday um, for a 53-year-old that, that lost a battle to cancer. And God gave me this great opportunity, this great platform to just talk about the hope of Christ. In the midst of all the pain, I mean, just to talk about that, that life reigns and death doesn't. And I went, and I finally left the reception. I was heading out to my car. There's, there's a guy there that, says, you know, Pastor, God's working in my heart and I want to know what you're talking about. And he's smoking a cigarette. Because I'm so sorry for the cigarette. I'm thinking, do you think God cares about you smoking a cigarette right now? He cares about your soul. He cares about the fact that you know how radically in love He is with you. And sometimes we miss that because of all these other things. Listen, if we could lose our salvation... If there's something you could do today, if you're truly His, and Jesus has paid for every one of your sins, every one, is He all of a sudden going to take it back? If there's something you can do or I could do to lose our salvation, it's no longer about Him, it's about us. Think about that. True, right? It's no longer about Him, it's about us. It's no longer about grace, it's about works. Right? I mean, listen, if salvation can be lost, all of a sudden the story gets changed. We cannot say any longer, salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is really in the hands of man if we lose it. And if we lose it because it's something that we do, then ultimately it's not about grace, it's about works, right? I mean, that just makes logical sense. It's not about works. It is about grace. It's not about us. It is about God. But what about those ones who seem to fall away? What about those ones who don't get it? Who seem to get it, then they walk away. 1 John 2.19 talks about some of those. It says this, They went out from us, but they were not really belonged to us. You see, God's sheep stay His sheep. He still loses none, 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 zero. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. A sign and a seal that we're His is that He will never let us go. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Listen, we read it responsively. I read it to you. You've heard it twice this morning. What can separate us from the love of Christ? What? What can separate us from the love of Christ? What? Nothing. Nothing. Not even our own sin. Isn't that good news? Not even our own brokenness. Not our past. 
not our future, not our messed up lives. Nothing in Christ Jesus, once we're His, separates us from the love of Christ. That is reason to dance. That is freedom. Nothing. Quit beating yourself up with your past. Quit feeling like you don't qualify. You and I don't, but He does. Quit wondering, do I really get it and am I really in? He wants you to know the joy that you do. You are. And set you free. The confidence of God's continual work on us. And then lastly, the confidence of God's perfecting work in us. This golden chain that I, uh, that I mentioned in Romans chapter 30. Listen to this, these, this chain again. And those He predestined, who did it? God did it. Those He predestined before time began, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Listen to this connection. Those He justified, you ready for this? He also glorified. A few weeks ago, I mentioned to you, I read a, a haunting good book on the New York Times bestseller uh, by a guy named David Sheff. It was called Beautiful Boy. It was a story of a uh, father's uh, journey with his son through his addiction to meth. And one of the things that became so clear to me was just his inability to save his son. He loved his son. He would do anything for his son, but he couldn't save his son. And it became a pitiful story of a dad who just didn't know how to love a son well enough to make him whole. Our God can and will and does save His children. And He's strong enough. And He's good enough. And He'll lose none. You see, the confidence is God's grasp on on us. Not our grasp on Him. Do you see the difference? Our confidence needs to be, is God strong enough, good enough to hold me? Because the reality is, is not one of you or not this pastor is strong enough or good enough to hold him. Because I know that there's times in my life and there will still be times in my life that I'll treat him like Peter and say, I swear to God, I don't even know you. But is it about my grip on God? Is it about your grip on God? Or is it about God's grip on us? I remember a, a tragedy hit the PCA, a church like ours up in the St. Louis area when their pastor committed suicide. Can you imagine? The one who opens up God's word and the one who, uh, who, who points him to Jesus and the one who's supposed to be the shepherd and all of a sudden he takes his own life. And yeah, there's some circumstances and some chemical imbalance, whatever. But you know, can a pastor like that go to heaven? I'll never forget reading a, a sermon that was preached at his memorial service uh, by Dr. Brian Chapel, head of Covenant Seminary. And the whole point was nothing separates us from the love of Christ. And that maybe that we can't hold on, but to his sheep, he can hold on to us. What does that do to you? How do you feel about that? I mean, I bet you there's a mixed emotion there. I bet you want to say, oh, I'm... But what can separate us from the love of Christ? Does it say all but suicide? Suicide of a pastor? What can separate us from the love of Christ? And listen, some people, some religions will say, well, I didn't have a chance to repent of my sin. You you died with unconfessed sin. Who's not going to die with unconfessed sin? 
I'm telling you right now, you're not confessing all your sin. You don't even know it all. You don't. I mean, God says that we're to love the Lord our God, the number one thing, with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, all the time. How many of you have done that yet? I'm 0 for 1. He's told me to love my neighbor as myself, to really care about my neighbor's interest, name, retirement, as much as I do myself. That's number two. I'm 0 for 2. How many of us are going to die with all of our sins confessed? I'm telling you, there will not be one of us. But what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Is it unconfessed sin? Yes, we're to confess our sins because He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all of unrighteousness. Yes, we should live holy and godly lives. But nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. They say that a chain is only as strong as it's what? If salvation is of the Lord from start to finish, from, from the predestined Father that called us before time began to justification, to glorification, if salvation belongs to the Lord and every link belongs to the Lord, how strong is that chain? You throw us in the mix. If we're in there, somehow it's about us hanging on to this thing. That's the weak link. That's where we'll be broken apart. And that's where the whole thing unravels. But we've got to realize this. The Father before time began, according to Ephesians 1.4, chose us in Christ Jesus. Ready for this? He chose us to, do, to be, have two things. To be holy without sin and to be blameless. He chose us to be holy without sin, and blameless. That is why we've been redeemed. It's why we'll fit with Him in heaven, in the new heavens, the new earth. And God completes His work in us. He completes it. Listen, every single one of us, by the grace of God that truly are His, we will be, we are, and we will be holy and blameless. Right now we're in that sanctification, being made holy. But He sees us perfect in Christ. But there's a day that is coming for every single child of the God perfection. You see, I'm a world-class starter. I am. I'm a great starter. Always have been. Athletics, whatever it is, I'm a great starter and I'm a lousy finisher. Books. I can't tell you how many books I've started. I've finished three of them. (laughs) But God is not only a world-class starter, because remember, He initiates. He's a world-class finisher. He's a perfect finisher. He doesn't put any project aside, including you. Did you hear me? He doesn't put any project aside, including you. I may feel it sometimes. I may feel like he's left the building. But the reality is, God always finishes what he starts. Perfected by his grace. The word there is glorified, and it's in the past tense. Those whom He justified, He also glorified. It's the, the work is done. It's a done deal. Revolve that around in your mind just for a minute. Child of God, those of you who are His, you are going to be perfect. As surely as He lived, there's a day coming with no more sin. There's a day coming with no more corruption. Perfect perfection is coming but not until glory. 
I mean, there's some, some who uh, live a Christian life. Uh, I've heard it in my own ears. They say, I haven't sinned in seven years. And I want to laugh in their face. I want to say, you're just sinning by telling me that. Just even your pride. It's true. Isn't it great having a pastor where there's no worry about I haven't sinned? <laughs> oh, yeah, Jeff, big sinner. I got, got him. and no, no problem. I'm going to be saying that. But, you know, when a pastor or a member of a church says, I haven't sinned for seven years, do you know what view they have of sin? It's pretty small and it's pretty pathetic. It's because they don't do something they feel is immoral, whatever. Not until glory will we be set fully free from sin. I want to tell you, you're going to wrestle with it the rest of your life. But don't forget Hebrews 10, 14. Perfect because of one sacrifice. Being made holy. And one day we will be perfected. But don't you dare look for that on this side of glory. Because it's not going to happen. God wants us to live our lives with three things in closing. Secure in his love. Listen, are you secure in his love? He wants you to live your life. Listen, this is how, how cool is this of him? He wants you to know how radically he loves you. Never have to look over your shoulder. Never turn the face of the Father to you saying, are you there? Do you love me? Nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. He wants you to live your life secure in his love. Here's the beauty. We're not going to lose the ring. We're not. Doesn't matter how much yarn we put on. We're not going to lose it. He wants us to live our lives compelled by his love. The second thing, compelled by his love, not out of duty, not because he's got a big stick and he's going to whack you if you don't. Compelled by his love. 2 Corinthians 5.14 May the love of Christ compel us. Listen, this might be a radical thought for some of you, but God cares as much about why you do what you do as what you do. Did you hear that? God cares as much about why you do what you do and what you do. Remember those Pharisees? They did a lot of good religious things. They tithed, they gave money, they they said long prayers, but their hearts were stoned and Jesus got in their faces. May the love of Christ compel us. God wants you to enter into a relationship with Him that you're so radically in love with Him because He's so incredibly in love with you that you now live your life in response to that love. Compelled by love. Husbands walk in the door on Monday and say, honey, it's my duty to bring you flowers. There you go. All right, I'll help with the dishes. You come in and you sweep her off her feet and say, I just, I'm just in love with you. And I want to serve you. Man, I want that to happen a couple. I do love you, Kate. I'm sorry it's not more of that. God cares as much about what we do, um, why we do things and what we do. And he's longing uh, for more of his love, for us to love him more. Secure in his love, compelled by his love, and for us to be longing for more of his love. You see, here's the reality. Christmas season's upon us, and we're going to sing a song saying, Come thou long-expected king. Why? Because he's coming back, and he's going to lose none. And he's coming back for you and me that are his. And he's going to perfect us, and we're going to be with him. And as the first advent, they were longing for a Savior to come and set them free. We're longing for a Savior to come and complete the job. And so we'll be perfected in Christ. But until that day comes, these are the days of Elijah. And we're going to live our lives that way.
Now, we didn't print it in the bulletin for you because some of you guys wouldn't even listen to my sermon because you're so excited we're going to sing that song. And we are. But let's be mindful. Let's dance. Let's joyfully sing. And let's say, come thou long-expected King and rescue us completely and set us free. We know that nothing will separate us from your love. Isn't that good news? God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let us stand and pray. Father God, I thank you so much for loving us the way you do. Father, the reality is you've given us the most incredible gift of salvation and none of us are worthy. And the reality, if it was up to us, that gift would slip off our fingers and we'd lose it. But Father, we thank you that you're a God who initiates. We thank you that you are a God who continues. We thank you that you are a God who finishes. That none will be lost in Christ. That nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. That now we should be compelled by that love to love others and initiate with others. Knowing that we are free. And yet we live our lives right now longing for your return. Come thou long expected almighty King and make us completely sinless in your sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.